1970s um, Elton John. Daniel, my brother. Anyway, new music to the Soybean Aphid Podcast. We're bringing it back. We're, it's brought back. It's done brought back. We're here. Last year, we fell off the podcasting wagon. We didn't have anything. We, but we decided, due to popular demand, we're bringing it back. And here we are. This is great. I'm so happy we're doing this. Hope people can hear me. I'm Aaron Hodson. I'm Matt O'Neill. We're entomologists at Iowa State University, and we're just going to talk about some soybean pest issues. Yeah, so for new listeners, this was, what, a aphid podcast. We focused on the soybean aphid because it was a pest that um, is fairly timely. It's one that requires some scouting. It varies from year to year, and this was a quick way to get info out. But we've kind of expanded to all things soybean-related, insect-pest-wise. And so here we are. Soybeans are getting planted, so... We thought maybe we'd talk about uh, seed treatments. These are neonicotinoid insecticides applied to soybean seeds for protection against insects. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Before we get started, I just wanted to give an update. I heard from field agronomists this morning. We do a weekly teleconference uh, with the crops team here at Iowa State, and they said the planting across the state is highly variable depending on um, how much moisture people are getting, but it's anywhere from 5 to 50% planted. And I'd say two or three of them even saw soybeans out of the ground. So oh, wow. you know, they were planted wow. about two yeah. weeks ago. That's good. Yeah. But that kind of makes sense given the rain we've had. So one thing, um, maybe this has come up in the conversation um, with your teleconference. It's an odd year, 2015. And... I think the conventional wisdom is odd years are years when we see aphid outbreaks because the soybean aphid has had a remarkable kind of on-again, off-again cycle since it arrived in 20 to, well, 2000. So what do you think? Are we going to have problems this year? Is it going to be a bad year? Um, I think it's, I hate to say it's too soon to tell, but conditions so far have been great. I think if you look at the degree days and... If anyone subscribes to, is it Climate Core? It's a Monsanto degree day indicator. Um, they say that soybean aphid eggs are hatching on buckthorn right now just based on our accumulated degree days. And so oh. they'll have a few generations on buckthorn. Um, depending on how that goes, I think you know when the majority of soybean is up, they'll migrate from their primary host to their secondary host of soybean. And I mean, so far it looks great. I think conditions yeah. are favorable for, for them. Yeah, so um, one thing to think about is a, a recent paper that uh, came out in Applied Ecology. I think that's right. Uh, it was co-authored, lead author was a, a gal out of Michigan State University, Christine Belay. She summarized the aphid data for the Midwest United States going back to 20, you know, 2000. And uh, she showed this on-again, off-again cycle. But she showed that somewhere in 2008-9, those outbreak years stopped really being as bad as they were in the first four or five years of the uh, aphids arrival establishment in the United States. You know so, what? so do you mean that just the, the peak abundance isn't as high as it used to be during the first couple of years it was in North America? Yeah, so both the peak abundance and then the 
freak the the, the location of outbreaks. Okay. They weren't and they were not in as they were not in as many states as they were in the first four or five years. Okay, I'd agree with that. And so one thing she also showed was that the um, use of neonicotinoid seed applied insecticide started to increase over that period as well. And she suggests that although the seed treatments don't prevent outbreaks, their widespread use across most of the Midwest may be offering an area-wide management such that when, like you said, these aphids are about to leave buckthorn and go to soybeans, well, if they go early in the year, um, those soybean plants have this insecticide in them and it kills them off. doesn't kill them all off, but it kills enough of them off that it slows their population buildup such that you don't get the extreme outbreaks that we used to get. What do you think? That's interesting. Um, so even those that are not using neonic seed treatments may benefit from the area-wide, the high adoption of seed yeah. treatments? Yeah, yeah, that's one. That's an interesting point. So that's a similar trend to the European corn borer. Um, do you remember Hutchison and a yep. few others put out that paper that yeah. the, everyone is benefiting from the use of BT regardless if they use it or not just because of the area-wide So this is in corn, BT corn. Yeah, yep. BT corn, yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the other thing to think about is it it's a little counterintuitive because uh, people like you and me uh, have said, um, you know, you use these seed treatments, but it doesn't prevent an aphid outbreak. You may still have to go back and spray. But that's on a field-to-field basis. What this is saying on a larger scale, this sort of emergent uh, phenomenon of enough low-level killing suppresses the aphids such that you don't see big outbreaks. But you still have the problem of each individual field is unique, and you still may have an outbreak even though you have this area-wide effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was kind of cool. That yeah. was very interesting. And kind of counter to what the EPA published back in November about the use of neonicotinoid seed treatments in soybeans. So I guess for, for those of you that aren't familiar, the EPA put out a report in October last year, and it was really specific. They're talking about neonics on soybean and basically said they didn't believe there was a benefit of, of those to that crop. For, for the Midwest. Now, they said there were parts of the United States in the south, southeast, uh, where there are enough other insect pests that uh, this has a benefit. But for the main states that produce most of our soybeans in in the U.S., Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois, um, not a lot of benefit. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, I, I, that makes sense to me given that the soybean aphid is our main pest and seed treatments alone aren't sufficient to provide protection for an individual field. So what do yeah. you, is that yeah, I mean, make sense to you too? It, it, it makes sense to me. I, and so I, you know, I've never seen a situation where seed treatments can prevent an aphid outbreak. And in that case, you need foliar insecticides to protect yield. But we have seen it in our efficacy evaluation and also some small plot work that we've done on a regional basis where seed treatments can reduce the amount of, of, of cumulative aphid days or aphid exposure that plots would experience in a season. You know, I just realized. What? We have talked longer about this than probably any other podcast in the history of podcasting. <laughs> if you're still listening, we appreciate it. <laughs> so that's uh, getting to a point where we're about to the end of our usual 10 minutes. 
Yeah. Should we call it a day and yeah. return next week? Yeah, our, our goal is to try to do this on a weekly basis to give you guys a heads up on what we're hearing and seeing, not only in Iowa, but in some of the surrounding states. Sometimes uh, those more southern states experience yeah. problems first. We want to give you guys a heads up. And as we progress throughout the season, we'll just, you know, scouting tips, thresholds. Once uh, a week. Yeah, once a week. Once a week. We're going to try. All right, let's do this. Okay. Thank we, you. We've done it. Done did it. Okay. Have a good day. See ya. Bye.